Sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Hit that like button if you want me to punch you in the throat and or just to feed those algorithm gods to get these videos in front of more people. And while you do that, I'm just gonna jump into it. You know, the first stories and news that we have to talk about today involves the Met Gala, which I get that it's for charity, but it always is such a weird thing. Like it always just comes off to me as this look at me, look at me, elitist bullshittery parade with people dressed up like citizens of Pan Am and the Capitol. But actually one of the stories that blew up the most regarding the Met Gala involves someone that did not go. Right, with a lot of the focus being on Nicki Minaj, who put out a barrage of tweets and regarding the Met Gala, she wrote, they want you to get vaccinated for the Met. If I get vaccinated, it won't be for the Met. It'll be once I feel I've done enough research. I'm working on that now. To which we saw the likes of Hassan Piker responding, the world away it's your wonderful contribution to the scientific community. And possibly in response to that, just minutes later, we saw Nikki sharing a rather remarkable story. Writing, my cousin in Trinidad won't get the vaccine because his friend got it and became impotent. His testicles became swollen. His friend was weeks away from getting married. Now the girl called off the wedding. So just pray on it and make sure you're comfortable with your decision, not bully. Right, we ended up seeing a whole slew of dismissive responses to both this and the previous tweets, including YouTube's own Ethan Klein tweeting, eagerly awaiting Nikki's peer-reviewed study on the various vaccines' efficacy. And y'all, I try to keep my emotions out of stories most of the time, but I want to say something to Ethan Klein and Hassan Piker, you disgusting libtards, you Fauci fuckboys. Leave Nicki Minaj alone. If you actually tried the bare minimum, you did just a, an inkling of research, you would know that Nicki's trying her best. And I know this firsthand because Nicki, I, and an elite team of barbs have been working countless hours over the last six months trying to figure this shit out. Running the numbers, following the leads, checking the balls. You dismiss her story, you dismiss her truth as probably some guy in Trinidad cheating on his girlfriend, getting an STI and trying to explain it away. Does that make more sense than Nicki's version of events? Sure. And is that probably what actually happened? Fine. But. I don't, I don't know how to end this bit. It's so stupid. This is such a weird, stupid story that has resulted in Nicki Minaj misleading and misinforming millions of people. Though, if you were a person that Nicki Minaj's opinion was a thing that like knocked you off the fence, like I don't know if there's much hope for you. But really, isn't that the most American and patriotic thing that Nicki Minaj could do right now? We're using a weird anecdotal story that's gone through several rounds of a game of telephone as equal to or greater than scientific research and Googling and texting until you find things that validate how you feel rather than caring about the actual facts and, and reality of the situation. Oh, it's so stupid. Like I just had to watch Dr. Fauci on national TV be questioned about this and his response, I'm paraphrasing. There's no evidence that COVID vaccines cause reproductive issues and this is the dumbest bullshit. And also what's kind of fun with this sort of misinformation is it's not the kind of stuff that gets removed from social media. The Twitter spokesperson telling The Verge that her posts are not in violation of the Twitter rule, which is most most likely because Twitter doesn't actually know if some random dude in Trinidad has giant balls. And if he does, how he got them. But yeah, uh, that's that story. You have any thoughts? Also, in addition to the Nicki Minaj focus, there was a lot of attention on people that went and the controversies or backlash associated with that. With Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez definitely at the center of a lot of stories wearing a dress that said, tax the rich. With a number of people mocking her attendance and outfit, including the likes of Ted Cruz and Barstool Sports' Dave Portnoy, who tweeted, tax the rich. But first, I'm gonna go have the time of my life partying with them all at the most extravagant, over-the-top party of the year that is essentially a celebration of richness. Though, on the other side of this, you had AOC describing the story behind this dress on Instagram, saying the medium is the message, adding that she worked with Aurora James, who is a black woman immigrant designer who focuses on sustainability and saying, the time is now for childcare, healthcare, and climate action for all 
tax the rich. And yes, before anybody starts wiling out, New York City elected officials are regularly invited to and attend the Met due to our responsibilities in overseeing our city's cultural institutions that serve the public. And regarding whether or not the medium was effective in communicating her message, you had AOC sharing a story showing searches for people looking up tax the rich skyrocketed and noting that this surge leads to more discussion about America's tax code and how to fix it. But still, very much so, you had people very split on this. Some saying that her, her reasoning here was bullshit, saying that she's a hypocrite. Others saying, no, she, she's great. She's driving the conversation and awareness on important issues. And AOC ended up responding to this herself on Instagram, writing that she thought about the criticism she might receive as she has faced it since her election, but saying she decided that even though some people would hate it, the important thing was that, quote, we all had a conversation about taxing the rich in front of the very people who lobby against it and punctured the fourth wall of excess and spectacle. And so what I'd love to do with this story is pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts here? Let me know what you're thinking and why regarding this AOC situation. Then in news that, that has me, you know, thinking I, I'm a boss, I'm a team lead. There have been numerous times in meetings that I, I've said the phrase, y'all, there's no such thing as a bad idea. And today I, uh, Philip DeFranco would like to denounce that sentiment. I would like to retroactively take that statement back because of this news coming out of Porter County, Indiana, that's making headlines. And if you haven't seen yet, they had their 40th annual popcorn festival. It landed on September 11th. For this, the Valparaiso City Republicans decided to sponsor a float that they said was intended to show love, respect, and sorrow for all the 9-11 victims, the soldiers who died in Afghanistan and our first responders. But uh, they and their float ended up receiving a ton of backlash because uh, this is the float. Because, you know, the best way to honor murder victims is to recreate the murder? Well, yes, there were people in person and online that applauded the memorial effort. Many called it tasteless. Watching in disbelief and leaving some not too happy comments, which resulted in the Republican group limiting comments on its social media posts. We also saw the county's GOP chairman eventually saying that they wish no disrespect and regret that the tribute was perceived in bad taste. But yeah, I guess the two main points of the story. One, there is such a thing as a bad idea if no one calls out the bad idea. And two, that stupid thing you did in the last week not the dumbest thing that someone's done in the last week. So that's a positive? But from that, I'm gonna take a second to pay some bills and thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Keeps. Did you know that two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time that they're 35, right? Maybe you have that friend or family member that's dealing with hair loss right now and you don't have to just wait around for this to happen to you because now is the time to do something about it. Keeps helps you stop hair loss before it's too late with their scientific and affordable approach to treatments that are up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA approved hair loss products that are out there. So some of you may have already tried them before but probably never at this price. You can get these products delivered directly to your door. That means no more going in person to the doctor's office for your prescription, saving you both valuable time and money. So if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash DeFranco, or just click that link in the description down below to receive 50% off your first order. And then let's definitely talk about the ongoing job crunch happening here in the States over these last few months. Right, we've talked about how it's hit sectors like food and hospitality, as well as retail teaching and even the medical field. But it's not just them. Another massive shortage that we're seeing is with bus drivers. And in fact, the problem is so pronounced that in places like Massachusetts, yesterday we saw Governor Charlie Baker calling in the National Guard, calling in 250 National Guard members to fill in those positions. And, uh, According to him, starting today, 90 guard members will be dispatched to four different cities where they will undergo training to drive children to school in 10-person passenger vans. The superintendent of one district saying that he expects the program up and running by the end of the week and adding, this relationship will continue until we can fill all our buses and vans with permanent school bus drivers. And actually looking into the situation further, it turns out the school districts all across the country have struggled for years to maintain their bus driver populations. But now with the coronavirus, it's accelerated and exacerbated those problems like never before. Turns out they are a particularly 
particularly easy group to lose. Many are retirees, putting them in an age bracket that's more vulnerable to COVID. And on top of that, there's still no vaccine approved for kids under the age of 12. So many bus drivers are like, fuck that. Right? Even if the kids are most likely to be fine, they could spread it. I'm a very vulnerable person. Which is also why we're seeing in states such as Montana and Michigan, they're actually offering signing bonuses of up to $4,000 to be a bus driver. With one charter school in Delaware in particular, even promising to give parents $700 for each of their children that they can drive to school for the entire year. And so this is really gonna be an interesting one to watch both in Massachusetts as well as other states, right? Do, uh, do they deploy national guards? Do we see monetary incentives? Then in one of my favorite kinds of news, let's talk about the dangers of social media while on social media. And this because internal Facebook documents obtained and published this morning by the Wall Street Journal show exactly how toxic platforms like Instagram can be for teens' mental health. According to the outlet, for three years now, Facebook's been conducting studies into how Instagram, which it owns, affects minors, saying repeatedly the company's researchers found that Instagram is harmful for a sizable percentage of them, most notably teenage girls. In fact, one slide from a 2019 presentation even reportedly flat out says, we make body issues worse for one in three teen girls. With another reading, teens blame Instagram for increases in their rate of anxiety and depression, this reaction was unprompted and consistent across all groups. On top of that, 13% of British users and 6% of American users who said that they've had suicidal thoughts directly trace their reasoning back to Instagram, with many reporting that they feel like they aren't attractive or don't have enough money or friends after scrolling through the app. Related to that, teens specifically called out pressure to conform to stereotypes and to match the money and body shapes of influencers, with others setting the need for validation through views, likes, and follows. There's also the bullying, hate speech, the over-sexualization of girls, and inappropriate advertising. Right, and so with this, you have a lot of people going, wow, how interesting. These internal documents appear to be very, very different when you compare them to Facebook's public messaging. For example, back in May, Instagram head Adam Masseri saying that the research he'd seen showed that the app's effects on teens' mental health were quite small. And while we don't know what specific research he's claiming to have seen or had, uh, these internal documents show one in five teens outright claiming that Instagram makes them feel worse about themselves. And yes, that's technically a minority, but that's still an incredibly significant number of people. I mean, you're talking about tens of millions of teens. Also, notably in direct response to this article, Instagram's head of public policy, Karina Newton, said this morning, while the story focuses on a limited set of findings and casts them in a negative light, we stand by this research. And claiming it demonstrates our commitment to understanding complex and difficult issues young people may struggle with and informs all the work we do to help those experiencing these issues. With that, saying that Instagram is considering, quote, finding opportunities to jump in if we see people dwelling on certain types of content. But in the end, a lot of this comes down to you. What's your opinion? Do you trust Instagram and Facebook to develop features that meaningfully create a positive shift? Is this just lip service? Do you land somewhere in the middle? Do you think that any attempts is really gonna largely be futile? Is this just gonna be an aspect of social media no matter what you try and do when people are sharing and consuming? But also, that was just one of the pieces of news stemming from these internal documents. Where the rules for me, but not for the aspect with Axios explaining the internal documents obtained by the Wall Street Journal paint a picture of a company that allowed millions of politicians, celebrities, and other high profile users to break rules without consequence. This despite Facebook for the most part saying publicly that they apply the same rules to all posts. With Axios explaining Facebook's X-Check program established to make sure that content reviews of posts by high profile users were handled with extra care, often gave VIPs a free pass to violate the company's rules, saying some were whitelisted and allowed to post whatever they want. For others, content issues were passed along to separate teams which often failed to take action or sometimes even follow up on reports. But reportedly, it wasn't just a few people. By 2020, there were 5.8 million accounts included in this program. And according to the journal, Facebook was aware that this was a problem with a confidential internal review in 2019, finding that the practice was both widespread and not publicly defensible. But reportedly, Facebook's response to all of this was that assessment is kind of fair, but also not fair. Claiming that a lot of the internal material is outdated information stitched together to create a narrative that glosses over the most important fact that Facebook itself identified the issues with cross-check and have been working to address them. Right, saying that the company is phasing out the practice of whitelisting. And then finally today, 
is the day, the California recall. Today, we will see if California decides if Governor Gavin Newsom keeps or loses his job. With right now, two of the most likely outcomes being either Gavin Newsom maintains his job or he gets recalled and he ends up, because of the state's bizarre recall system, losing to someone who got a fraction of the vote. With the top polling challenger by far being conservative talk radio host Larry Elder, who prior to this recall, maybe you've seen him pop up in the news. It's usually connected to his, let's call it, uh, special uh, opinions and points of view. When you mentioned that uh, the UK was ahead of us, they were. Do you know that the slave owners were compensated? After they lost their quote unquote property, the government compensated slave owners. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so when people talk about reparations, do they really want to have that conversation? Because like it or not, slavery was legal. And so their property, their legal property was taken away from them after the after the Civil War. So uh, you can make an argument that the people that are owed reparations and not only just black people, but also the people whose, quote, property, close quote, was taken away after after the end of the Civil War. Cool. Reparations for slave owners. And, and there's a whole fun montage of elder I could include here. But for the sake of time, what I'll mention is most recently and really very, very expectedly, like it's Trump's playbook verbatim, his elder is pushing baseless voter fraud claims, claiming last week Democrats are going to cheat. We know that. And around the same time, saying that he believes that they're might very well be shenanigans as there were in the 2020 election. And yesterday we saw his campaign launch a new website encouraging his supporters to report voter fraud, urging them to sign a petition calling on the state legislature to investigate the twisted results of the recall and adding statistical analyses used to detect fraud in elections held in third world nations such as Russia, Venezuela, and Iran have detected fraud in California, resulting in Governor Gavin Newsom being reinstated as governor. But understand, one, we, we have no results yet, and two, there's been no evidence of voter fraud in the California recall. You do have Republicans pointing to an incident in a Woodland Hills neighborhood last week where some people who came up to vote were told that they had already cast their ballots. But despite attempts to politicize that, the Los Angeles County Registrar's Office said that there was a very simple explanation. It was an error caused by settings on their computer systems used to check in voters. With the office also saying that all the people affected were allowed to cast provisional ballots until their eligibility is determined. But also understand it's not just elders sowing mistrust and misinformation while simultaneously telling their voter base to go vote in the recall. You also got California Republican Party officials trying to spread this narrative that the state's election security cannot be trusted. With this, including Harmeet Dillon, the Republican National Committee woman for California who, when asked by reporters, refused to say whether California's election will be safe and secure and added. There will be a lot of questions and potentially litigation after this election about the sloppy at best treatment of people's ballots and their right to vote, with her continuing rumors spread like wildfires based on facts. Those facts are there are errors in voting in Los Angeles County. People see that online and decide it's not worth it to vote. Also beyond California officials, we saw Trump who never misses an opportunity to spread misinformation about elections chiming in and saying, does anybody really believe the California recall election isn't rigged? Millions and millions of mail-in ballots will make this just another giant election scam. No different, but less blatant than the 2020 presidential election scam. And right now, the, the strategy very much appears to be a short-term loss with a long-term win. What I mean by that is a, a point that was hit on. When you have people saying that the election is rigged, most likely you get people to not show up and vote. Right? I think that's something we saw with the Georgia special election, where all of a sudden you got two Democrats voted in. Right? When you had Trump as president saying the whole thing's rigged, why would you go out there and vote? And so it was widely believed that he actually diminished Republican turnout. And so as far as why Republicans would do it. In this election, according to new polls, it shows that Newsom is very likely going to keep his seat. There was definitely a time in the state where recall yes or no polling was very, very close. But as more and more Democrats became aware of this recall election, the efforts being made, the polling is really now favoring Newsom, right? And so if you're gonna lose anyway, why not continue the big lie, right? Preemptively undermine the Democratic results of a free and fair election. And it gives you a riled up base feeling like they're wrong. Thus, more and more people are gonna support when Republicans limit voter rights. And not if, but rather when Republicans take back Congress, maybe they get back the White House, whether it be in 2024 or 2028 or so on. You then have all this political will and this political capital to crack down on people that you have, even though the facts are not there, people that you have deemed cheaters. It's really unfortunate. It's very scary, especially in a world where you can 
do your own research until you find something that emotionally feels like it validates what you think is happening. Yeah, I, I guess the main point is I think in a few years, maybe I should move to Norway. <laughs> Norway, can I come? Can we be best friends? You know, ultimately with this story or, you know, honestly, anything else that really stood out to you today, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below. And of course, as always, thank you for watching, liking, subscribing to the videos, joining the family. My name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.